promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. The Holy Gospel on this first Sunday after Christmas comes from St. Luke, the second chapter, beginning at the 22nd verse. the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel And the Holy Spirit rested upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak, to, speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of our Lord. And you may be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The the beauty of Christmas is that uh, the whole story is, is God dealing with you on his terms, not on yours. That, that that is the Christmas story. It's, it's not according to how you think you are going to make things work out for your life. It's not about how well you did at keeping those New Year's resolutions from 2023, which I'm guessing many of you did not do a very good job if you kept any at all, uh, because you're probably going to make new ones for 2024 here. Uh, maybe you already have. Uh, maybe it, like many Christians in the church, it's to get through the Bible in a year and all of you stopped at Leviticus. Uh, well, you've still got one more day. 
Today, you go home and you read from now till midnight when the ball drops. Hopefully, you'll be done with the whole Bible. And then you can start afresh tomorrow uh, in Genesis 1. But the story of Christmas is this culmination of all the redemption uh, that, that God is going to bring. That, that God comes to earth, born of a woman, born under the law, as our second reading said, uh, to free us from the law, from our sin, from all the things that we try and fix our, ourselves, to, to free us uh, so that, that we might be able to actually enjoy Christmas. Enjoy the fact that this child uh, comes for us. That that here, uh, as I told you this morning, that this is cr- kind of Christmas 2.0. We're, we're continuing the story. Christmas Eve, when I preached, it was about the, the child born for you, the Savior that's come for you, that it's already happened, that it's not as though you asking Jesus in your heart somehow makes Christmas more real. That's not the case. Uh, this morning, too, uh, then we have Jesus in the temple. We have Jesus given for you, quite literally him being presented for you in your place. And there's a reason why this needs to happen. And you want to know why? Because it happens here in this very first verse. Now, ladies, imagine none of you gave birth to the Son of God, right? Mary did, but what does she have to do? Time for her what? Purification. Mary gives birth to her firstborn son, the son of God, in fact. And what does the law tell her? She is unclean. Imagine that, ladies, those of you who had children. You give birth, and the first thing the doctor tells you, okay, you're unclean now. You can't go out to eat. You can't go to church. You can't do anything for the next 40 days. That's what the law said. Leviticus 12. You can read it. Most of you will have stopped in your Bibles before you get there sometime in March. Um, Leviticus 12. Give birth to a child. You're unclean. Uh, for, for firstborn son, or well, first son, 40 days. For a daughter, 60 days. I don't know why. Ladies, maybe it's just because you're more awesome. I have no idea. But there was this need even for the mother of God to be made clean. How is it then that we think that somehow we can make ourselves clean and we didn't give birth to the Son of God? Anyways, that's a sermon for another time. Because even more so then, what we are taught and what we are shown in this whole story is that Jesus shows up in the midst of a need for purification, in the midst of a need for cleansing, and he becomes the exact embodiment of all that cleansing, of all that redemption, of all that work that God is doing on our behalf, that God is going to take care of. In fact, we find him uh, pushing himself into the story of Passover. Passover is so important to the Jewish community, especially at this time, that Passover, uh, the, the story of Passover, is involved in all of life. Here we are told that Jesus is brought up to the temple to be presented to the Lord. Why? Why does he need to be presented to the Lord? Because he's awesome? No, because back in Exodus 12, God says that he's going to send a final plague on Egypt. You remember this plague? Very bad angel shows up, kills all the firstborn, both of man and beast, except for the Israelites who paint the blood on their doorposts. And it does what? It passes over them. It's a wonderful story. God showing his redemption that he's going to bring to Israel through blood. 
That, that showcases Jesus shedding his blood for us. Anyways. But the next chapter, what does God say? Because I saved your firstborn, they now belong to me. I own them. They are mine. They are no longer yours. He says this to them. So you are going to have to uh, dedicate them to me. And so here, Jesus, being the firstborn of Mary, gets brought up to the temple. And here, uh, Joseph is having to do his first public work as a father by redeeming his son. Which is a very interesting thing, considering he's Jesus, the Son of God, who's going to redeem the world, right? He has to show up, pay this this uh, uh, tax, if we want to call it, and perform the ceremony in order to buy his son back uh, from from God. And all of this is Jesus entering in as our Passover lamb, as this as the culmination of Passover, as this re, this this continual reminder that God has been doing this redemptive work from the beginning of history. And here we have Jesus being the embodiment of this. And how? Because Jesus, what are we what are we told of Jesus, for instance, in John three? That he is God's only begotten Son? That we could talk about him as the firstborn, or even though he's not born, he's, he's begotten of God. He's not made, as we talk about in the Nicene Creed, but he's the only begotten. And is he given to God? No. He's given to us. He's given for us. Jesus being the end of all this firstborn needing to be redeemed thing. That God comes in Jesus as the final dedicated one to God set apart to do all the redeeming work that we all thought that we needed to do at the beginning. That God gets birthed into the world to to be this this redemption. It's also interesting too, if you continue with the story of these these firstborn needing to be redeemed, when you get to Numbers 3, which some of you have never gotten there before. That's okay. God forgives you. Um, I, I usually try and pass over that book too. It's kind of boring. Um, but numbers three, God says, okay, instead of you dedicating all your firstborn to me, I'm going to give them a replacement. I'm going to take the entire tribe of Levi. And so all those firstborn have a, a Levite that takes their place that goes in their place in this whole redemption story. Well, what are we told of Jesus? In Hebrews 4, we're told that he is our high priest, that he becomes the Levite for us, that he becomes the replacement for us, that instead of us needing to somehow redeem ourselves back from God, instead he becomes our replacement, the one that is forever before God on our behalf, that he is always our mediator, that he is always praying to God for us, that he's always standing before God saying, yeah, you know this one? Well, I bought this one too. All of these children are mine and they belong to you, Lord. I've I've taken their place and I'm giving them to you. They're Jesus taking your place so that he might advocate for you, that he might uh, be your Levite in a way. But then also, as I said, he, he comes as this, this one to fulfill all things uh, for us. We saw that in our second reading, Galatians 4. We're told in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under the law. What does it mean to redeem, but to buy back, to free you? 
And we're told that we're not a slave, but a child, meaning that we are free from all the requirements of the law. We're free from all the shoulds. We're free from all these things that get placed on us to say, well, I need to become this for God to receive me. I need to become this in order for me to be pure enough for heaven. I need to become this in order to stay on God's good side rather than the naughty list. And here Christ is shown as the one who who comes to fulfill all of that for us. Paul says the same in Romans chapter 8. Beginning at the first verse, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I I, I love that verse, but I preached on that way back this summer. You can go back and listen to it if you want. Uh, He says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That Christ comes to free you from expectations of the law. Things that tell you that you are unclean. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to deal with sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That's part of this Christmas story. That this little tiny baby shows up into history and to fulfill all the requirements that you think every day you need to do in order to keep God happy. To make God pleased with you. Well, when we continue the story, though, one of the things that we need to see as well, if we want to see Christ fulfilling all these things, is that uh, we find God taking the time to interrupt all the law keeping, all the sacrificing, to interject the gospel. To make sure that we understand that Jesus is going to show up to make things different. And so we're told that they go up to the temple, along with quite a few other people. I'm, I'm assuming that Jesus wasn't the only child born that day in Judea. And so there's probably quite a few moms and dads showing up to the temple for the purification ritual and for the redemption. Right? They're all showing up for these things, these things that they need, that they need to do. And God ends up interrupting it all. Through the words of a preacher. If you ever thought preachers were important, let me introduce you to Simeon. He's an old dude, told that he would uh, not die until he saw the redemption of, of Israel. We're told that he's devout, devout and righteous. How is he devout and righteous? Well, Dr. Paulson, uh, my, my advisor in seminary, would, would say, well, by waiting. Because that's all he's doing. If he was devout and righteous by the law, what would he be doing? He'd be doing all of the sacrificing. He'd be doing all of the rituals. He'd be fulfilling all of the law. But instead, what is he doing? He's waiting for this child to show up. One thing of note here in uh, in our translation that's bad, and I love pointing out how bad the NRSV is because, well, I'm not in the ELCA anymore, so I can't. But it says in verse 24, And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord. The idea being uh, that saying that they went up to the temple and they did this thing and then Simeon shows up. When in fact what the Greek says is that they were going up for the purpose of doing this thing. They hadn't done it yet. They're going up for the purpose. They're just saying this is why they're showing up because then it says while they're there, while they're entering into the temple to do the things, Simeon interrupts. Imagine that. You're, you're coming to church, 
and you're going to put your little offering in the box, and you're going to sit in your pew, make sure no one else is sitting there, uh, which wouldn't be a problem this morning if you notice. Um, <laughs> and some old dude shows up, picks you up in the air, and goes, ah, brother, sister. Yeah, you'd kind of probably want to go back home, right? You know, head, head, off to, head off to schooners or wherever you're going to go for, for brunch today. Um, Simeon shows up, this old dude. And he grabs the baby in his arms before they even have a chance to, to perform the ritual purification, to make the sacrifice of the turtle doves, to, to pay the price of any of these things. And God speaks through him and, and forces the gospel into the story of trying to make ourselves clean. And what does he say? Master or Lord, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. That word dismiss is the word for release. It's the word for letting go. It's this word for freedom, for the breaking of chains. Hmm? You're breaking the chains of your servant. Breaking the chains of your servant and you're letting me go in peace, meaning that you and me were good, God, because of this little baby. And he says, according to your word, meaning according to your promise, according to the fact that you made me a promise that I would see this little child and cradle him in my arms, I now see that what you said is true, that salvation is going to come, it's going to come outside of me, and it's going to make all things new, and we're going to be good. There's going to be no more need for this coming in here for purification and redemption. Because I've looked upon your salvation. I've held it. It's one of the wonderful things I love about being a Lutheran is that we have two sacraments in which we can touch things and be reminded of what God has done. You can walk in this room and put your finger in that water and be reminded of your baptism, that God has made you his own, that you are his child, and that you belong to him. You can come forward when you sit here and you wonder about whether God is pleased with you. You can come forward to his table and you actually get to hold him in your hands as Lutherans. We actually believe that it is the body and blood of Jesus Christ broken and shed for you. It's not a memorial. It's not some nice little snack that we get before we get to leave. It is actually Jesus giving himself to you that you get to be reminded of what it is that God has done. Just like Jesus shows up to be the culmination of all these reminders that the Jewish people are having of the Passover in all their life, that you're having to redeem the firstborn because of what Christ, or because of what God did and was eventually going to do in Christ that through this, this passing over of you. So now you are reminded of what it is that God does through the sacraments, through our liturgy, through the word. And this Jesus is to be one prepared, he says, prepared in the presence of all peoples, meaning not just some special ones, but you. The Greek says all peoples. That's going to be a revelation to the Gentiles, a light. Uh, the word there is apocalypse. Pastor Chris talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago. We think of apocalypse and it's... The end of the world, right? Well, that's not what the Greek word means. It's a wedding term. It, it would be uh, those of you who got married in an older way with the veil and the taking the veil, putting it over the head of the bride. 
That's an apocalypse. That's a revealing. The bride is being revealed finally to the groom. The groom gets to see the bride. This, this revelation of Christ into this world is this revealing, this light pointing to him that you're not being pointed to all these requirements anymore, all of this law anymore. Instead, you're being pointed to this Christ who has come for you. Whenever I read this passage, I always sit there and imagine all those people standing in the courts of the temple with their redemption money and their doves or their sheep or whatever they're bringing for their sacrifices, right? And then here we have Simeon making this sermon, announcing this, and then it, get, and then it becomes a duet, right, with Anna being this prophetess that starts preaching too about this redemption, about this new life that comes in Jesus. What so many people that that are there to do to try and make themselves clean, these two preachers are saying, no, this little baby has come to do that for you, to redeem you from the law, from yourself, to fulfill all of the law, to, to bring a full redemption. That Christ is the end of all of that. That He is our only sacrifice, our only way, He is how God deals with us. He doesn't deal with us on our own merits or our own works or our own uncleanness or cleanliness, but on the fact of who Christ is for us. That when we come to church, we come here to remember that story, that old, old story of what Christ has done because we're so prone to forgetting that this word was made flesh to dwell among us, that he might die and rise to make all things new to fulfill all things. So I just ask you, church, don't forget that this morning because it is still Christmas. We have this Jesus who's come for us. May we always remember that each and every day and every moment of our lives. Merry Christmas. Thanks be to God. Amen.